Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We'll start this morning jumping into John chapter 11, verses 1 through 26. We're going to read these here, and it says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Martha, whom brother, uh, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. It's a different story. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the, lo- the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And when he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? And Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And after they said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Like, that's secure. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep, because they're a little bit dumb sometimes. So then he told them plainly, that was my version, by the way, it wasn't in your Bible. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, no, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So um, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we, uh, we took um, Cassie's uh, youngest brother um, to the the lake for like we rented out this lake house for his 18th birthday party and we were celebrating him and just had a great time they had like a little private dock that um, we could almost get down to if you wanted to risk your own life uh it was a little bit steep but we went down there and on the trip we uh one night we stopped for dinner at a steakhouse it was out of town i'm not going to mention the name because of uh the service was terrible um you know what I mean. But it wasn't Richmond. Okay, I'll just say that. It wasn't Richmond. 
Um, but we went to the steakhouse and we we got there and everybody ordered their food. There was like eight or nine of us that had that ordered and and it was all good and dandy and everybody was getting their food and then the waitress brought over the big serving tray and she served everybody their food. It was nice until I looked down and saw that I had not gotten anything. Even though I did order something, there was nothing sitting in front of me. And so I sat there for a little bit thinking, surely she's going to bring my food to me. It was about 10 minutes later, the waitress comes up, the server comes up and said, have you not gotten your food? I said, no, I haven't gotten it yet. I ordered a nice, like, I don't know, 14, 16 ounce rib. I was ready to tear into this thing. You know, I I hate steak. Um, But I was ready to to eat. And she's like, have you not gotten it? I said, no, I, uh, I haven't gotten anything yet. She said, well, let me go check on it. And she came back and she's like, okay, the kitchen said they're working on it, which you know is code for the kitchen wasn't working on it, in fact. But they just started working on it. And uh, so I sat there for another, I don't know, probably 20, 30 minutes. Still no steak. I order my steaks medium, so I know that if I get it now, it's going to be overcooked. And then she said, have you still not gotten your steak? I said, no, I haven't got my steak yet. She said, well, I'll I'll get it for you. I said, well, just go ahead and bring it like in a to-go container. And you know, if any like any reasonable person, you'd think, uh, well, of course you didn't have to pay for it. Now, I'm a little bit sore because they still charge me 20 bucks for this steak. I know some of y'all empathize with me. Nobody? Okay. Y'all can pay for your steaks, I guess, whatever. Your boy just wanted free steak. We waited for an hour for. Um, I'm not bitter about it. I'm good. I just will never go back there. Um, but so finally she brought me my steak in a to-go container and, you know, I took it back to the, the cabin and it was good. The steak was pretty good. Yeah, I don't know if it was worth waiting an hour for, but it was, it was pretty good. But there was a moment when I was sitting there and I was waiting on my food that I thought to myself, is my food even going to come? Like, is it ever going to come? Am I going to wait forever for this steak that really... I don't know if I even want it anymore at this point. That's kind of a silly story, but I wonder if you guys have ever had to be in a situation before where you were waiting. You, can't under, you don't understand why. You don't understand what's going on, but you're, you're stuck in this situation that's out of your control, and you're just sitting, and you have to wait on something else to happen. Maybe, it's, maybe today you're sitting in here, and... You're waiting on the test results to come back. Maybe you're waiting to hear if you, if you got that job or not because it's going to change your life if you did. Or maybe you're sitting here and single and you're still waiting for that right person to come along. Maybe you're sitting here and you're waiting for your marriage to get healthy again. Whatever it might be, in those moments of waiting... I believe that it's, it's, these are the moments where it's so easy to believe that God is so far away, that He's not active in our situations. You start to doubt, is it ever going to happen? Is this ever going to come true for me? And just like that, Mary and Martha in this story had to they had to believe that here, right? Like they had to be in that same position. Is Jesus ever going to come? 
Like I sent word to him that his, his friend was sick. And yet I don't see him here. And I know it doesn't take that long to walk. So is he, is he ever going to show up? He's, he's, he's Jesus' friend, so he should owe him something. Obviously, Jesus eventually is going to come to the rescue, right? We know that Jesus is going to come to the rescue until he doesn't. At least not in the way that you think he's going to. And you might be in that position today. You might be waiting. You might be thinking God owes you something. Because you've done all this for him. When's he going to finally return the favor? When's he going to give it back to you? And you're waiting, and you're waiting, and then God doesn't show up like you think He should. See, if I'm reading this story, if I'm writing this story, right, I'm, gonna, I'm thinking, okay, here's the logical progression of thought. Lazarus is sick. Jesus loves Lazarus, the Son of God that has all the power in the world and beyond, Loves Lazarus, so obviously he's going to show up and he's going to heal him. He's going to take care of his business, right? Wrong. The Bible actually says here that, this is funny, the Bible says Jesus loved Lazarus and so he stayed where he was two more days. What? You're telling me that one of your best friends is sick and you love him so much that you're going to stay where you are and not do anything. That's exactly what Jesus did. Because he knows this truth. That sometimes God will not meet your expectations. Because he wants to exceed your expectations. God won't meet your expectations. He won't meet you where you're at. Sometimes because you're the limiting factor. He doesn't want to meet your expectations. He wants to exceed them. He wants to go further. Jesus had already proved himself at this point to be a healer. He'd already proved himself to be able to to do that. And now, in this moment, Jesus wanted to show off, not only is he our healer, Jesus is the resurrection. See, everything that, that you need is found in this Statement. There's, there's actually seven statements throughout the book of John where Jesus said, I am. And in this moment, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life that exists in my person. So if you're looking for it, you can find it right here. Sometimes our greatest answer to prayer is not yet. Not yet. I I have something bigger. I have something better. We can rebuild him. Better, faster, stronger. Nobody watched the six million dollar man in here, just me. You know, that joke fell flat in the first one, too, and I thought for sure it was gonna hit with you guys. It did not. All right, let me pray for us. We'll go home. Pray for my soul. I'm just kidding. As we read the, this story of Lazarus, though, we can take away um, three things. We can take away a lot more than three, but there's three that I, that I think God wants to speak to us today. We'll start number one. When you're down to nothing, God is up to something. When you are down to nothing, God is up 
to something. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 says this, See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Can you not see it? Do you not know it's happening? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He said, he said, even when you don't see me working, even when you can't perceive that I'm doing anything, I'm doing something. So when you're down on your luck, when you're beaten down and broken, you've got nowhere else to go, I'm doing something. See, the good thing about rock bottom is that there's only one way, up. The good thing about that... <clears throat> I was talking with Pastor Barry last week. He spoke here, and he's a big surfer. And he said, you know, there was this one time where I just got tossed by this wave, and he's rolling in this wave, and then he hit the bottom. And he said, I was never more thankful to hit the, the bottom because I knew exactly where I could push off from in order to get up out of the water again. And that's where some of us are this morning, that you've hit rock bottom, but you're firmly positioned in a place where you can just push off. You can push off this firm foundation in Jesus. Could you hand me that water? (coughs) Thank you. It's not COVID. I promise. It's just, I'm just really crying. No, I'm just kidding. We usually find Jesus at the end of ourselves. We usually find Jesus when we are down to nothing, when we have nowhere left to go. That is usually when Jesus shows up on the scene. Sometimes you think you've hit rock bottom and you can go, you go a little bit lower. But it's at the end of our rope where we encounter Jesus. And I'd like to encourage you this morning... When all hope seems lost, don't lose hope. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. That's just the way I wrote it, okay? When all hope seems lost, don't lose hope. Hebrews chapter 6 refers to hope as the anchor for our soul. So like when you've got nothing, when, you're, when your ship is tossing and turning, I said ship, when your ship is tossing and turning, some of y'all get that later. Tossing and turning in the, in, in, your, in the storms of life. Sometimes the only thing you can hold on to is hope. Hope that the future is going to be better than your present circumstance. And not only do you have this hope, you have this assurance that Jesus promised that your hope would not go um, unnoticed. That your hope would not go without Him giving you what you're hoping for. See... We can hope in the truth. In fact, we should be people that hope so hard that people think we're crazy. We should be, the Bible says that we should be ready to give an answer at all times for the hope that's within us. That means that you should have some kind of hope in a dark circumstance that people see your life and they wonder, what's different about you? How can you, how can you be so well off right now when so much is happening that's wrong. When all hope is lost, don't lose hope. It may feel like a lost cause. You may feel like you're too far gone. You may feel like you've got nothing left to give. 
But don't give up. Because we can see from this story that help is always on the way. It may not be like you expect it to be, but God is always on His way to help you. When you're down to nothing, God is up to something. Number two, true life can only be found in Jesus. True life can only be found in Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says this, he, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, we, a lot of us love to, to quote this verse. And, and the awesome thing about this verse is it actually can be translated more specifically to where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It can actually be translated to say, Jesus said, I am the true way to life. Because there are false ways, there are counterfeit lives that we can live that are outside of God's plan. They may look good, they may feel good at the time, but it's just a counterfeit. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that the thief comes to kill, to steal, to destroy, but I've come that they may have life, they may have abundant life. God wants you to live a life not only in eternity that is, that is awesome. He wants you to live a life that's victorious here on the earth. He wants you to live a life that is, that is so victorious and so conquering that people can look at you and see that something is different about you. Because how could people want something different if our lives never demonstrate it? I never wanted anything from Christians because I didn't see that their life was much different than mine. But true life can only be found in Jesus. We pursue all these counterfeit lives. We pursue this American dream, that, that white picket fence, that, uh, that husband and wife with two or three kids. And you're like, that wasn't my American dream. I would just like one, please. Two and three is a little bit crazy. Nobody in here had to struggle with your kids today to get them to Easter service? No? Your time's coming. It's on the way. Not only is help on the way, struggle's on the way too. Prophesy that over you today. I'm just kidding. We lead this, this life and people pursue this American dream, and, but it's just a counterfeit life because it leads to a lot of unfulfilled and empty lives. This is the reason that we have so many people that run to alcohol, that run to drugs, that run to relationships outside of their marriage because they're looking for something and they can never find it in another person or another thing and they end up living this unfulfilled life. And Jesus is standing there saying the whole time, I'm the true way to life. You're looking for something in all the wrong places. You're searching for life. You're searching for truth, you're searching for wholeness, but you're never finding it because you're looking in all the wrong spots. True life can only be found in Jesus. Then finally, number three. Number three, God is in the resurrection business. God is in the resurrection business. Romans 8. 
11, one of, I think, the most awesome verses in the Bible. This is a promise to you and to me. It says this, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. That's pretty awesome. You know what that's saying? That's saying that the same Spirit that gave Christ the power to be raised from the dead on Easter Sunday, you have access to it. And not only do you have access, but the same power that raised Christ from the dead is present in your body. If you're in a relationship with Jesus... The Bible says that that same spirit can give life to your mortal body. God raised Jesus from the dead and he can give you new life too. So you've got dead hopes and dreams. You got a dead end job. Some of y'all are like, I got a dead end spouse. Don't point at him. You're in a... You're in a dead place, a dry place. But God can give life to your hopes. God can give life to your dreams. All you have to do is believe again. You've got to get to a place where you're believing again that God wants the best for you. And not only does He want the best, He can give you the best. You just have to say, yes, the only thing that can stop God's plan for your life is you. And the problem is we get hurt. We get broken. We let all these things come between us and what God wants. And the whole time, God is saying, you feel dead, you feel dry, but I'm in the resurrection business. I can bring it to new life. You searched all over. Nothing you do makes a difference. I get it. I've been there. I lived my life there for many, many years, searching, trying to find. I could never find it. Atheist, didn't want to hear anything about Christianity. Searching in all the wrong places. Until finally I was in a situation where I encountered the true way to life. And in that moment for me, everything changed. That God brought me from death to life. And I know that you have moments where you feel like you can't go on. Where you feel like it's all over. But if God can bring Jesus back from the grave, He can surely bring your hope back. He can surely bring your faith back. He can surely bring life to your dreams And your hopes and your aspirations. You're searching everywhere. You can't find it. And let me tell you, nothing I can say to you is ever going to fix it. And nothing you can do is ever going to fix it. But I can tell you this. I can't help you, but I know somebody that can. His name is Jesus. And I can tell you that with confidence. 
Because I know my life. I know my life before Jesus. And now I get the privilege of standing up here and telling people this same hope that I received as a 16-year-old kid that was orphaned and angry and broken is the same hope that he's offering for you today. There's this misconception in the world. If you were to ask 10 people on the street, how do you get to heaven? Most of them would tell you, well, probably 7 out of 10 would tell you, well, you just have to do more good than you do bad. I'm going to heaven one day because I've done more good than I've done wrong. And that's not the case. I'm going to say something real crazy here. Listen. Bad people are going to be in heaven too. (laughs) Because it's not about good and bad anymore. God doesn't make bad people good. God makes dead people alive. It's not about me living up to a checklist of right and wrong anymore. There's one question that God's going to ask. And it's going to be, do you have a relationship with my son? That's it. Now, I'm not telling you, go out and do whatever, whatever you want and live extravagant. And one day, you get to stand before God and say, well, I know I, I, know I was a little ratchet. I was a little crazy. But I know Jesus. Here's what I've found. That because I know Jesus, he's changing me from the inside out. I... I stopped desiring all of those things anymore. But it didn't happen in a it didn't happen in a split second. You're not going to be perfect. Because God doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. We were once dead in our sin. But because of Jesus, we've been raised to new life. And he's offering that for you today. He's offering you this new life. See, Jesus was killed on a Friday. Then he stayed in the grave three days. It wasn't a Friday to the Jewish culture, but bear with me. He stayed dead for three days. And in those three days, all hope was lost. The disciples saw their dreams dissipate in front of their face. They scattered. They didn't know what to do. Because the man that they had been following for three years, they just knew he was going to change everything. And all of a sudden, he's dead. And all hope was lost. But while they were stuck in their moment, God was three days ahead. And I think he's speaking that to you this morning. That while you're stuck in your moment, God's saying, I'm three days ahead. You don't see what I see. Because if you saw what I saw, your hope wouldn't diminish. If you saw what I saw, you wouldn't give up now. If you saw what I saw, you'd keep pushing, you'd keep pressing. Because I'm three days ahead of you. It may look bad to you today. It may look bleak to you today. It may look like you've got nowhere else to go. But you just wait. 
Because help's on the way. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead can also give life to you. You know, all this would be for nothing if you walked out of those doors today and didn't receive this life that Jesus was offering to you. I tell this illustration all the time because I love steak and it's great. Gordon Ramsay himself could cook you the most perfect steak in the world. And he can put it on this nice white plate. He can plate it real nice. He can put all the garnishes on it and look beautiful and serve it to you. And you'll take it and you'll eat it. You'll love it. But you could take that same steak, cooked perfectly, delivered on time. You didn't have to pay $20 for it. He could serve it to you on this nasty, stained, dirty trash can lid of a plate. And you wouldn't want to touch it. But the problem was not with the steak. The problem was with the way that the steak was presented. And a lot of you have been hurt and wounded because the gospel of Jesus has been presented to you in the wrong way. That says that God hates you. He can't wait for you to mess up. He's ready to stand over and bonk you and send you to hell because you've messed up too bad. So you should just follow him. But that's not what Jesus is offering. The Bible said, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him wouldn't perish, but they would have everlasting life. That's what God's offering to you today. You say, I'm I'm too far gone. I'm not worthy of this. God wouldn't want to accept me. My life's too dirty. I want to read you out of Mark chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come, I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Say, my life's too dirty, I'm too broken, I'm too messed up. Guys, you're right in this. You're in the right spot because Jesus came for the hurt. He came for the broken. He came for the too far gone, the dirty, the messed up. He came for you. And he came for me. And while we don't deserve it, he's still offering us life. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.